it is the pastor's heart and Dominic Steele thanks for joining us today the relationship between the evangelistic course and attractional evangelism and missional evangelism where you go out and personally read the Bible with someone how do those two forms of evangelism best relate best integrate Richard Bagonin of the word one-to-one is our guest what happened a couple of weeks ago, we were in Kigali for the big GAFCON conference. Rico Tice of Christianity Explored, Richard Bagonin and I, we just had a broadcast conversation. And then after that, we sat down and had a conversation. I thought, Richard, we should talk about this for the pastor's heart. And so we recorded an interview then, and here it is for you now. And, uh, and so thanks for coming in, Richard. Delighted. Absolutely delighted. You've been giving some of the main seminars at the conference here, and uh, I just thought it was worth a little bit more exposure and a little bit more time. And uh, you just have a burning um, heart problem about how we're going ineffectively at evangelism at the moment. Well, the problem, I think, is very simple, and that is that we're not leaving the castle. We're talking to the same people. We're preaching to the same people. How do we actually get the word to go out? And I'm very conscious of how very pressured and worn out uh, and actually, in many cases, terrified of evangelism, people in ministry actually are at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, they're feeling besieged by the world outside. So, it, and, and I feel like the secular pressures that we're feeling yes. has actually made us feel, I mean, and people are talking about being missional rather than being evangelistic, and yeah. missional includes all sorts of stuff that isn't evangelism, and, yeah. and so we have a problem. We do, because I think a lot of the ministry teams also feel all roads now lead to me. Mm-hmm. And, and the burden that they're feeling is, I think, unprecedented. Now, why is that? Well, it's because I think, the, you know, we, we'll say from the pulpit, now, we all do agree, don't we? We must take the gospel to our friends. We all sit in the pews mm-hmm. and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we all agree that. What we never get asked is, do you know how, Dominic? And, of course, the answer for nearly every believer is actually, I haven't got a clue. If you handed most believers a Bible and said, would you go and lead someone to Christ using this, they wouldn't know where to start. So I think there's a very real problem of everybody feeling, all roads now come to me. And, and actually, the congregations now have walked into that feeling. Oh, well, the pastor does evangelism. I don't. So I think that's where we're seeing an explosion around the world of the Lord reminding us, actually, now, excuse me, I build my church through my word going out. It's called the Great Commission. Mm. And it is physically impossible for you, if you're a minister, to reach the contacts that each individual Mm. might have. Mm. But the Lord is actively at work. You don't have the time. There's no way you got the time. But actually, I've I've called the convention uh, yesterday to two very clear convictions. The Lord is very, very active in the circle of your contacts. I'm always wrong when I ask someone to do word one-to-one as to why they say yes. It always turns out there is a reason that that person has said yes, and it's nothing I could have known about. The Lord had prepared their hearts. I could have stuffed up the invitation, but they still said yes, because the Lord had got them for that moment ready to that point. Or I could have done a great invitation and they said no because it, it, well, wasn't, it wasn't God's moment. Yeah. But this will shock you. Courtesy of the pandemic, the ratio of who says yes has actually jumped by 20%. One in four around the world, we now know, will say yes to sitting down and looking at the first 18 sentences that are the start of John's Gospel. One in four. And actually a lot of our one-to-ones uh, that I'm certainly doing at the moment are people who said no in 
initially. Now, yes. They came back. I mean, I, I'll give you one classic story. I went to, I always have a reason why I ask somebody. Uh, I'm normally wrong, but I asked. So I went to one guy who I knew was going through a very painful divorce. Mm. And I said to him, look, I think you'd find tremendous peace if you actually looked, looked at the word of God mm. with me. And he said, Richard, I can't take that in at the moment. Mm. Two years later, I'm halfway around the world in Australia, and I get a one-line email, the time has come for me to look at the word. Mm -hmm. So I go back to his office. I said, where did that come from? He said, I was 48, I'm in the gym, I'm on the treadmill, and I realize I'm on the treadmill of my life, and I haven't got the answers. Mm -hmm. And I thought, there's one book that must have answers. It's called the Bible. I better get hold of Richard. Mm -hmm. Now, I could go all day, Dominic, <laughs> with stories like that. It's extraordinary. I mean, I, and it's not only that um, it might be they say no initially. They may stop. Because the word is so powerful, it halts them in their tracks. I had a very senior guy, I mean, my world's senior businessman, so that's who I see. One guy got through the story of Lazarus, and he said, very true statement, Richard, there's no undoing this knowledge. And it scared him. And the reason it scared him, he's got a very powerful wife, and he hadn't told his wife. That he'd been meeting up with you. Yeah. Two months later, he rings me up. And he goes, Richard, I cannot get it out of my head. I've got to finish John with me. Mm -hmm. and was that me? Nah, I've moved on. It's the Lord's at work. So number one, the Lord is actively at work in the lives of the contacts around you. The second conviction, the power is in the word. They don't remember what I say. Uh, I mean, it is extraordinary how uh, you know, I will be uh, you know, giving all my time, meeting them regularly. Actually, I'm a page turner. I'm a Bible sharer. They don't remember what I say. They get fixated on what the word says. And they say around the world the same, same statement in some form of words. It's this, and it will shock, I'm sure, some of your listeners. The non-Christian says at the end of 18 sentences of John 1, why has no one ever shown me this before? So we think that we in our faith, are, uh, we're being told that we're politically incorrect now. Actually, the world is desperately short of answers. What they're doing, they know is not the answer. In the pandemic, the reason the 20% increase was clear is that people lost the things that they were putting their trust in. Mm. They couldn't access the boat to go sailing mm. or the car to go or the bike to go out on. And suddenly, or their job was different. They didn't have answers to their life. And the Bible has answers. Now, you've got a theory about our evangelism uh, patterns yeah. as churches and that it's too event-based. Do you want to just kind of, and I know we set this whiteboard up because you were going to have a go at uh, giving me a picture. For those of you who are listening, it's great that you listen to our The Pastor's Heart program. Head over to thepastorsheart.net and fast forward through to this bit because Richard's going to draw a picture on the video. <laughs> So what I'm going to start off by, well, I'm going to try and explain it for your listeners as well. So here is a triangle that is actually the broadest part of the triangle is at the top. And this was drawn for me by a very senior minister in the UK, running a very big church. Well, okay, it was William Taylor. And, and he drew a picture to express to me uh, why he thought the church had got to and to get my reaction as a businessman. He said, Richard, I think we've ended up in the events business. So he drew at the top 
of this triangle, which is effectively now sitting on a point. He drew uh, a, the, the triangle in and he drew a line across the top and he wrote the word events into the top. And then he drew two lines to the side. He said, here's the ministry team. All roads now lead to the ministry team. We are the only ones that apparently put on evangelism. We're the ones that are coming to the congregation, the same people all the time in the church, and saying, what do you mean, Dominic, you haven't got another friend you can invite on a Christianity Explore course? What, what do you mean you don't have someone that can come to listen to Professor John Lennox, etc., etc.? So we're constantly pressurizing our congregation with events because we think that's how we're going to reach people. And actually, as I draw two little arrows at the bottom facing up, here the congregation feeling highly pressured by this picture. Now he stood back and he said, well, what do you think of that, Richard, as a businessman? I said, well, I'm terribly sorry to do this to you, William, but it's far worse than you think because you're an Anglican. So you've got a real problem because the building you're in looks like a castle. And as I'm drawing the top of the castle uh, uh, above the triangle. It's a formidable building. It's an old building. Formidable. And then I said, you might as well, frankly, have a moat that runs around the bottom of it now, because actually, well, it is. It's about, you know, so you've got to actually cross a drawbridge to get into the church now. And here's the truth, William. The world outside thinks that what you do in this building is now, capital W, weird. They're not used to going to church. Weird or wrong. Weird or wrong? Well, the second thing I drew for him was I drew another arrow and I said, do you realize, William, that the world now thinks that you are the ones that are politically incorrect? So actually, the whole thing's reversed. We've been used to a model where we preached well and they would come. It was how I was brought up. Dick Lucas had that model for years at St. Helens Bishopsgate in London. And all he had to do, all he had to do, I... I cheekily say, was he'd spend 20 hours a week preparing a 20-minute talk. Everybody would know it would be a very interesting Bible exposition, and socially, they were up to coming. They don't do that anymore. Now, here's where we've now gone, because I left William feeling a bit uh, depressed. Now, same guy draws me back, and he draws the following picture. Now, the triangle is sitting with the broadest line at the bottom. He draws a small triangle at the top with an arrow coming down. He said, Richard, here's where we now are. I, as minister, am back to doing what I signed up to do. I'm teaching. I'm preaching. That's what I came into ministry to do. I'm a minister of the word. How am I able to do that in the way that I'm now doing it? Because there's lots of you, Richard, who are leaving the building armed with a form of the gospel that you can share. Now, word one-to-one is one way, but there are other ways. You guys are having lots of one-to-ones where you are opening for the first time to people the scriptures. And what we're seeing is that the word works. The power is in the word. Now, these people who are biblically ignorant, they don't know what the Bible has to say, have begun to become interested in Jesus. What that's leading to is I then see you put on lots of evangelistic events. If you're Australian and listening to this, it's probably a barbie. In London, it's probably a dinner or a lunch or a breakfast meeting. But we're putting on lots. And I got 
shock news for you. People who are doing, in my case, word one-to-one, -one, who haven't yet become a Christian, are saying to their friends what a highlight of their week it yeah. is. I mean, that's, our, that's the experience that with anybody really who is discovering these ideas for the first time because the rest of the life is trivia but Dominic what shocked me was they then say can I bring my friends to an event where you explain what I'm doing which actually leads to more one-to-ones okay now what is entire what's the entirety of this box well actually it's this we're introducing the big Jesus now people are getting an education as to who Jesus is and what he said. They are now actually, I mean, and don't be surprised that if you're doing, for example, 21 chapters of John, you're probably having at least 20 coffee meetings with me. The gospel has chugged from verse to verse to verse, introducing Jesus to you. Guess what? And you're doing 16 evangelistic meetings a week. That's a 21, bro. 21. That's a lot of coffee you're drinking. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm coming up. Because we're doing this in a short time, I'm coming across like I've had 10 today. I haven't, I promise you. But, but the point about this is now I'm interested in Jesus. What that leads to is they then ask us, what do I do next? which is where Christianity Explored comes along. Yep. Now, this is the cake. Here's the icing. Mm. Because now, actually, I've been meeting just with you, and you've been graciously giving me your time one-to-one. -one. Mm. You've modeled church. What but now you're bringing them into an, an, an engine. It's yeah. Exactly right. Now I'm socially prepared to meet with others. Mm. I'm prepared to be asked questions, and I, which is exactly what CE does as a course. Mm. And by the time I finish, if you haven't given your life to Christ here, it's highly likely you've given your life mm. to Christ here. Now, what does then CE do, which is very much more difficult for here, is they bring you into church. Mm. Now, William... We went through this. He said, well, what do you think of that as a businessman? And I immediately said, well, listen, William, any businessman is going to draw a circle around that and say that is how God builds his church. Because in business circles, we would call that a self-feeding mechanism. That is where we need to go. The problem with this the is castle exactly picture. what we've seen. It's exhaustion here. It is a belief now that I don't have a responsibility. I don't have a ministry. I come to here like the Tesla making it back to the charging station. I mean, Dominic, that's what I was like. I have been transformed by being able to share the gospel. As a senior guy, I was coming into the castle going, Phew, I've survived another week. Please plug my spiritual charging cable into the mains. I've come for you to teach me really well. I've come for great worship prayer and great fellowship all the bedrocks of what we teach and have and enjoy in the church but the problem is at the end i was disconnecting like the tesla disconnecting my charging cable expecting to drain out down here well brother i don't do that anymore because the reason is in here this is all about jesus being at work so I'm walking out and seeing amongst, so humbling, seeing in my own circle of contacts, the Lord speaking to them off the pages of the Bible as I turn the page. Where you're working in the central business district, um, I can see that you've met a central business district worker and then you've invited them to a central business district Christianity yeah. Explored course yeah. and 
then they come to a central business district lunchtime Bible, Bible talk. So I can see that works geographically. Yep. Whereas often in uh, the, the suburban church, when the person goes out to preach the gospel, they'll live in North Sydney and the person they're reading the Bible with one-on-one lives in South Sydney. And how do we make this engine work in the okay. suburban context? Let's just touch on the wonder of actually having Zoom for a start. It's not quite your question, but I want to get to it. Zoom, I actually had to get hold of Rico halfway through the pandemic. And I said to him, brother, do you realize what's happening? We are being beamed into the most private space of anyone, their home, where they feel most comfortable, where they're drinking their coffee or whatever. They feel at most at ease. And we're getting the privilege of taking the gospel right into their nest. What a privilege. Now, it therefore means most of my one-to-ones today are actually on Zoom. I don't physically meet them. Oh, yeah. So I'm doing Zooms. I'm doing one-to-ones in Bermuda, in New York, all over the place, not just the UK. You then have to, at some stage, connect them to a Christian organization Mm. because it's great that they've now become interested in Jesus, but you may have to do some research to find out where they live where is a good church? And that's where you actually do your homework and find a, a CE course. Now, I'm telling you this because I've got a living example going on at the moment, and I've just, I've just confirmed it today. I've got a guy who's done this with me. He lives in Oxford. I've connected him to Vaughan Roberts. He's now meeting Vaughan Roberts. He will be going into Vaughan's church, and he will be joining a Christianity Explored church in Oxford. I've done it on Zoom. Mm. And and really, at this point, when he leaves your one-to-one, joins the Christianity Explored course, he's kind of left your responsibility and you've passed him on to the next end. Yes, but the joy is is none of this has ever ruined a relationship. No, it's no, no. only ever strengthened it. Yep. So actually, he's become my Christian brother in this process, and we're very, very close. So so it, the, the, the honest answer, coming back to how the Lord built his church through his word is that it's gone out as his word to every demographic we've ever seen. So I'll give you a story. 13-year-old boy goes to a youth group. He's shown the word one-to-one. He's walked through John's gospel. He gives his life to Christ. He goes home to his non-Christian parents. True story of this. And his parents said to him, you're different, my boy. What is it? He whips out of his pocket his word one-to-one and says, well, mum, dad, let me show you. And he can. Because this this literal walk line by line through the gospel with a skeleton conversation next to him, at 13, he could do. I've got students who are taking it into school and doing it. I've got students at university are doing it. We've got mums who are sitting down with their friends and doing it. Uh, It's gone ballistic amongst the retireds because, you know, I'm 67. The honest answer is the older you get, the more you realize you don't know life's answers if you don't know Christ. Mm. I spoke in Australia and I spoke to a a group of 85 people who were mostly uh, retired. Mm. And I said, I bet you have coffee with your friends. I bet you take apart what the prime minister has to say. You're you're turning into grumpy old men and women and you take apart what's in the papers. And then you, with a, you know, we told them you go off until you meet again. Well, actually, be honest, you know, you haven't got life's answers. So therefore directing that at the word, well, it's gone ballistic. What I find attractive about what you're saying is, I think you're right. I'm seeing it through the course. I mean, there's been great strengths in running the evangelistic course. Yes. And um, there's been a fantastic um, 
uh, uh, revolution uh, in, in people understanding the gospel and, and recognizing that people are a long way from Christ, all yeah. those kind of things. And it's not going to happen in the one night stand evangelism. It needs to be in gradual, all those kind of things. But by focusing on the course, we've ended up de-skilling our people on personal evangelism. And what I really like about the word one-to-one initiative is that it upskills the individual for the personal conversation and, and then where that goes, and, and this model looks great for where that goes into the structured course, into the church, looks fantastic. So, Well, the reason that Rico and I work so closely together, I mean, we're drawn together because exactly we're brothers statistics. with a passion to do this, evangelism. evangelism. But actually, here's the problem for any course, and you could write any course letters in here around mm, the world, yeah. any course. I'm not just talking about yeah, CE. Yeah. Biblical knowledge, Dominic, is now so low that you go through your six or seven sessions. You don't know enough to give your life to Christ. Mm. There's two dangers. One is you could say, well, I looked, if, especially if somebody runs it badly and you're pressured, not so much a problem with CE. It is a problem I know, particularly one other course. You get to the end. They pressurize you to make a decision. You're not ready. I've looked at Christianity. wasn't for me. This actually is proving to have to be that they do the course more than once. Often, I know of many statistics which are geared on, it was on the third time through the whole course that finally they had enough information. Now, that is what Rico and I are finding. That is smashed to once. If actually someone has been living, loving church, introducing Jesus to you, now you come to the discipline and clarity of the course in Mark, in the case of Christianity Explored, and you do give your life to Christ. If you don't, and if you haven't done this, what churches are doing is after the course, instead of suggesting you do it again, the minister is pairing you off from somebody in the church to do word one-to-one. What we're doing is uh, we run the course and we find we're running four courses a year. Yeah. So essentially in the four school terms. Yeah. And we're scooping people in through Christmas. We're scooping yeah. people in through Easter. We run some sort of evangelism event in third term and beginning at and we scoop people in and then we find we run so we're running on a Monday night we're doing it over a dinner we the people we find rarely some some have come to Christ at the end of the course uh, I would say most haven't but they do like reading the Bible and so they want to keep meeting so we run a, another course we just call it introducing Jesus or knowing Jesus and um, and that course we actually change the syllabus sometimes we run the matthias media just for starters sometimes we'll run mark's gospel sometimes we'll run run different things we we, we, sometimes do apologetics questions we just we just run what we think would be useful for that particular group and then we find them trickling into the kingdom over the next nine months you know but it's it's the people who want to run you know there's conversations about courses where people want, want to run they want to shorten the length of the course yeah well i think that's mad it is madness i'm afraid I'm finding at the end of our seven weeks, they're only just beginning to get it. So now imagine, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying to the individual that meets me for 18 sentences, by the way, you're about to sign yourself up (laughs) for the next 21. But... But what? don't be surprised, why should we be surprised, if actually on top of the six to seven weeks that that represents, is if I'm spending the next 52 weeks yeah. 
And that's, for some of them, it is that long. And it is that long. No, if you're a mum and you're meeting your friend three times a week, it might be three months. Yeah. Uh, uh, retireds, you might do it that quickly. For businessmen, I may be seeing them once yeah. every 10 days. Although we are finding that by the time they get to there, they're also prepared to come to church. Yes. So my point about this is the whole of this, every single meeting was geared on the gospel. Line by line. And my trust now is implicitly in the power of the word. It's not about me. Richard Begonen has been my guest on The Pastor's Heart, and uh, he is the founder or author um, behind Word One to One. And uh, do go and Google that, check that out. Thanks for being with us, and we'll resume our normal kind of format next Tuesday afternoon. <laughs>